Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in your walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us for this part two episode on Ordinary Leader, Extraordinary God. With me is my friend and producer of Shermoods, the John Blosser. John, welcome back. Thanks, buddy. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Looking forward to our part two. We we have again with us our special guest from last week, Dr. Chris Rapazzini, who is an expert on leadership and preaching and homiletics. And uh, if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it now because it's really, really good. And we're jumping in here talking about the ordinary leaders in the Bible and these leadership theories that we see and what it looks like and uh, five of the main ones. And so, Chris, again, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Can you recap the the two that you talked about last episode? Yeah. Um, so the two that we talked about, and these are these are leadership theories that are well tested, well researched. So as a, as a social scientist in the leadership field, I, I want to make sure that when we talk about leadership, we're not just talking about you know, anecdotally what we've observed or we talked a little bit about in the last podcast about you know just uh, trait theory or great man theory about oh yeah that person is the one that should be the leader because they were here first or something like that. But actually, what are some some leadership theories that we can actually see empirical data on. And so the two that we talked about uh, last time was uh, transformational leadership. And in a nutshell, this is leading by example, right? This is modeling what matters to the church, to the organization. Um, it's showing off the, the positive standard for the behaviors, the values, the actions. You know, Mark, I told you, I think you are a great example of a transformational leader, right? People want to be around you, and you love people, you empower them, but you also encourage them to strive to be beyond, get beyond where they're at, right? Lead them to the next next stage in their life, particularly when it comes to following God. The next one that we talked about was servant leadership. And this is, um, uh, you know, a, a phrase, a term tossed around a lot in church world and ministry world. I've seen it as I work with a lot of pastors, uh, but a lot of people have a misconception of what servant leadership is. They think servant leadership is leaders serve. And while leaders should serve, actually, when you boil it down, what the research shows, what the literature shows, is that servant leadership are about servants who lead. They want to serve first and then lead. And, of course, everybody wants to be a servant leader, but they want the title, not the actual not, – not actually put the work in of what it means to be a servant leader because you're oftentimes behind the scenes. Um, you're not getting the recognition. You're not giving the applause, um, right? You are just – uh, helping others so that they can fulfill their mission. Jesus was a great example of servant leadership, right? Most of the time on this earth, or at least in his ministry years, he was helping people. He was serving other people. So that's a quick recap on the first two leadership theories that I think every ministry leader ought to know and how uh, ministry leaders can help their congregation or people they know um, step up into those leadership roles because they might be hesitant but letting them know or recognizing that, hey, they're already a leader. They just have to figure out what leadership theory they're meant for and built for. Then they can be an, an amazing leader in the hands of extraordinary God. Hmm. So that's a quick recap. So let's go on to number three, okay? You ready yeah, for number yeah, yeah. three? Let's hear it. Oh, 
Okay, so number three, another leadership theory that every ministry leader ought to know about is what's called authentic leadership, authentic leadership. And when it comes to um, authentic leadership, this is actually something that's a little bit newer in the leadership literature, and it comes off or on the heels of a lot of the um, uh, debacles of leadership that happened at the end of the 21st century, beginning of the 20th century, right? So you think of like um, Enron, uh, or you think of these these large businesses that collapsed, or you think of like 9-11 and just the leadership struggles that we had after that, and that we weren't being told the truth all the time, or it didn't seem like we were being told the truth. And so what people started to research is, well, what does it mean to be an authentic, truth-telling leader? And the other thing that goes along with authentic leadership is being able to lead not from a strength, but from a weakness. Mm. And there's there's um, uh, great um, uh, there's a lot of great points or, or great aspects of um, leading with our strengths or focusing on our strengths and limiting our weaknesses. But um, while strength-based leadership has helped, you know, thousands of businesses and churches maximize their productivity and all that, uh, this leadership theory talks about how we can lead out of our weaknesses, and that is of being authentic and being truthful to who we really are on the inside. Um, And so actually authentic leadership breaks down into an introspective, like am I being honest with myself as a human being, as an individual? And I'm being honest with my followers. How can I be honest and authentic with them so they can see me for who I really, really am? And so I think when you look at the Bible, a great example of an authentic leader is is someone like David, right? Particularly when you read the Psalms. Now, David was a couple types of leader, but he was really an authentic leader when you look at the Psalms because he just, I mean, he poured his heart out to Yahweh in those Psalms. And you could just see he's, he has some struggles and he has some weaknesses, but he wants to know how can I use these weaknesses to glorify God and to lead other people. I think Mary, um, Jesus' mother, is another one who is just an authentic leader, right? She she wears her, her heart on her sleeve. Uh, and then, of course, Mary, Martha's sister, right? Uh, we talked about this last time in that scene where, hey, Jesus and his friends come in and Martha's in the kitchen preparing stuff. And Mary is an authentic leader who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, just soaking in every word that she has to say, because she values that relationship um, with Jesus, then, and she wants to be you know, front and center. And so for, for leaders who can subscribe, subscribe to this one, they, they don't shy away from their inability or their disability, but instead they lean into their ability to be an authentic leader because they, one, know who they really are, and two, they're honest and authentic with those that they're leading. And when you do that, you're a leader worth following, right? And so you think of people in your church, maybe volunteers, maybe staff workers, who you know that you can go to them or they can come to you, and you're just going to have a real honest um, conversation, right? Or um, they're a real honest person, right? So there's no, um, uh, what's it called, Uh, surface or or saving face, right? Um, Surface level, like you know that they they want what's best, and they're going to share that with you, and they're authentic leaders, and they're leading out of their weakness. So that's authentic leadership. Yeah, yeah. What, what what do you think about like the Apostle John, right? Uh, 
you know, the G, the one disciple Jesus loved, you know what I mean? He was there. And would you say like he would have that authentic leadership? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, there's a reason why, um, you know, the, the book of John, it doesn't really capture that many scenes, right? Or that there's, there's not a lot going on. I mean, there's stuff going on, but compared to the synoptic gospels, a lot of it is that interpersonal, um, things that are going on with him, with other people, right? And so an authentic leader also is probably can, can read the room pretty well. Um, and I think that was, yeah, at the heart of John, right? I mean, he, his focus of his, his gospel, his epistles, uh, particularly the letters to the churches, was on love. And so, yeah, John's a great example of authentic leadership. I think of authentic leaders today um, in the 21st century. I think of people, um, for instance, like Tim Keller. You know, I think he was, a tr- he was truly an authentic leader. Like, he was not trying to save face, right? He would tell you the truth in a loving way. He was very—and and even up until his death, right, he was very— um, transparent with, with people. You know, I think another authentic leader too is someone like Rick Warren, um, uh, on the other coast, right? I mean, just again, a very authentic, almost down to earth kind of person, um, who, you know, was not trying to hide anything and was just really clear and upfront with people. Hmm. Yeah. Those are great examples. I love it. All right. So what do you got? What's your fourth, fourth one that you see in the Bible? Yeah, force, okay, force leadership theory is what we call, we, we can call empathetic leadership, uh, or leadership through empathy. Um, and this is where you really look at the heart of a leader, right? Um, so it's said that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Well, empathetic leadership is looking at the heart of the leader. And this is the person who, um, who asks themselves, right? Like, okay, if, if I was in their shoes, how would I feel, right? So they're trying to empathize with people. I think a prime example of an empathetic leader in the scriptures is uh, Ruth, the book of Ruth, right? Because, I mean, you have Ruth and, you know, just her willingness to stick it out with Naomi. I mean, this truly, she's, she's looking at the world through Naomi's eyes. Who Naomi, she had everything, right, um, lined up for her. She had husband, she had sons, they had kids, like she's, I mean, in Naomi's world, she's planning her retirement of just, you know, sitting on the back rocker, looking out at the lake. I mean, she's got it all planned. And all of a sudden, (laughs) knocking at her door, right? And then the famine, right? And she's just like, oh my goodness, what has happened? She even tells Ruth and Orpah, hey, go home to your own mothers. But Ruth takes on the, the leadership role of an empathetic leader and says, no, no, I'm going to stay with you. Where you go, I'm going to go. And so being an empathetic leader is um, asking yourself, if I was in that person's position, it would make me feel this. I would feel like this. And then leaning into that, right? So that's a great example, I think, of an empathetic leader. Uh, Gideon is probably another one. Um, You know, I think there's several. Uh, Barnabas, right, another empathetic leader. He's looking at you know, what Paul is facing when he has to come back, or, um, you know, to, to, to Peter and to James. Is, is Paul really a disciple of Jesus or not? Is he really an apostle? And Barnabas sticks up for him, right? He's an empathetic leader. Um, Mother Teresa is a great kind of modern-day example of, of who we can think of as, a, as an empathetic leader. Yeah, yeah. Also, Barnabas, right when he restored Mark, remember Paul and him got in a big fight? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. the one that he wanted to bring Mark with him, and Paul's like, no, Mark— uh, John Mark, he 
flaked out last time, and then they got in such an argument they went separate ways. But eventually, Paul comes around and uh, sees Mark as useful yep. in the kingdom, and so Barnabas, his empathy there was really transformative and, and restorative. So that there's power in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's it's taking a keen interest in others and in others' interests because. That person has been made in the image of God, and I honor God through the way that I look at them. And again, it's the, it's the heart of a leader. They have to have empathy for their brother and sister. So that's a little bit about empathetic leadership. Okay. What do you got? What's your last one? All right, and then the, finally, the last one. And again, there's, there's a lot more leadership theories out there, um, and many that have been studied and researched. I wanted to focus on just five that I thought, you know what, if— church ministry leaders could hear these kind of well-established, research-based leadership theories, and how can they then help equip their saints with stepping into those leadership roles? Because I know there's some nervousness, there's some tension, but hey, when you think about these leaders that we've been talking about in the Bible, they were not you know, the pillars of faith that we hold them up to be from the get-go. Right? They were just ordinary people, but they leaned into the people that God made them and the leaders that God had already made them. And so this last leadership theory is what's known as courageous leadership, courageous leadership. And in order to be a courageous leader, though, you have to be a courageous follower. So hmm. cora- uh, courageous followership leads to <clears throat> courageous leaderships. Courageous followership leads to courageous leadership. And... Um, so this is when uh, leaders, rather than the followers, um, are, are able to – well, I should say this, that they are willing to follow no matter what the cost, right? And they're willing to speak the truth no matter what happens, right? So they're, they're willing to do the hard thing in the, in the season where it seems like it's not going to work out, right? So you think of like Noah, for instance. I mean that guy was a courageous leader, right? I mean to build a huge ark – in the middle of a desert, in the middle of a drought, is, in, is just insane, right? Unless you're a courageous follower of Yahweh. And then you're willing to do some pretty extraordinary and, um, and things because you're being guided by God. I think the, the disciples as well, right? You think about how, um, particularly after Jesus' resurrection, right? And they were timid right after his death. They were even timid a little bit after his resurrection, but then after the ascension in heaven, they were bold, right? And even that's the word that uh, a lot of times you find in the New Testament, the book of Acts, right? That these were bold messengers because they had a bold message, right? They had a bold message that Jesus was alive. And so their courageous followership led to their courageous leadership all the way up until the point of death. And... um, not all of them were like, you know, they weren't they didn't have to be the loudest, right? They didn't have to stand, you know, in the in the square and just shout from the top of their lungs. Um not all of them led like that, but they were courageous and they were willing to look death in the face and say, "You know what? No, no matter what, I I'm not swaying to the left, swaying to the right and following Jesus." And so, what does that look like today? Well, um, you know, I think of some of the courageous leaders that that we've had to that we could follow or people like, um, John Piper, right. Or, or, and now John Piper, he was a very intellectual person, a, a kind of, um, uh, a well-respected preacher, writer, thinker, um, 
Erwin Lutzer is another one. Now, their personalities are different, right? I mean, Erwin Lutzer is a little bit more reserved, uh, but both of them courageous leadership because they're willing to speak the truth in a world of lies. They're willing to bring light into a world of darkness. And because ultimately is because of their courageous followership. And so that's a little bit about courageous leadership. And, you know, if I could maybe, uh, I was thinking about this too, um, give, give a, a, a picture of what these five leadership theories look like when they work together. I think of like, um, uh, maybe a, a musical band or a worship band, okay? And so this is kind of going to be review, but also for visual learners out there like myself. So when you think of the transformational leadership, I think of like the person, maybe uh, the guitarist or the vocalist who is up front, right? And they are inspiring the congregation and inspiring the band to to shout, you know, to sing uh, to God, right? So they're up front, they're seeing. Uh, they're seen, but they're also empowering others to uh, to worship God. The servant leader, this is like the AV people, right? They're behind the scenes. They're just serving. Um, you know, they are in the booth or they're behind the stage, right? They're making sure that um, the words are up on the screen. They're making sure that the sound is coming through, right? John, you're a servant leader, right? Making this podcast possible and all the things that you do, right? Yeah, that's um, true. That's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the authentic leader, when you think about like musical worship on a Sunday morning, the authentic leader, they lead from the heart. This is like the songwriter, right? I mean, they, they have to pour out themselves into the words that they're, so that other people can sing and again, praise God, right? Through the words that they're, um, maybe it's even leading out of their their weaknesses, right, and putting weaknesses in those lyrics, right? It's hard for a songwriter to write the lyrics of, you know, I, I once was lost and things like that, you know, or, or um, you know, you just think of any of the songs that you sung this last Sunday and just the confessional time in those songs, right? That's being authentic, and it came from those songwriters who were authentic leaders. The empathetic leader, right, this is, um, uh, you know, leading – Again, just from the heart, but also seeing other people where there are and and hitting the right the right chords. And so for that, I think of like the pianist or the violinist, right? Who is you need them for the music just to all flow together because they have that um, they're seeing things from multiple perspectives, right? And they're able to do that through either the keys or through um, through the violin or the stringed instrument. And then finally, and then I'll pause because I know I'm talking a lot, the courageous leader. And I love the cor- courageous leader. And I think of this as someone like the drummer, right, um, who <laughs> is behind that little glass, right, or that plexiglass. If you're, you know, if you have kind of like a modern day worship, they're behind that plexiglass and they're drumming away. But you know that they have to stay on beat because if they get off, if if they get off course, everybody's going to notice, right? If the if the pianist plays a wrong note, eh, people won't really notice. If the guitarist, hey, I've been a guitarist. I've played the wrong chords at times. But sometimes people don't notice, right? It's even singing. But if you're a drummer and you're off beat, everybody's going to know. And the courageous leader, I mean, that takes a lot of courage to stand in that or to sit in that little plexiglass, even though you're kind of back. I mean, everybody can hear what you are doing and you are – uh, you're making a, a joyful noise to the Lord because you ultimately are 
following God strongly, courageously, and you're wanting to lead courageously. So that's just a little, I think, a, a picture, if you can, of those five leadership theories. Um, and just think about them all throughout the church, all throughout your ministries, and how these people who are ordinary people, yes, we are ordinary leaders, but lean into who God has made you. And by by doing that, he's going to do some extraordinary things. Yeah, I love it. That's great. I love hearing all of those things, you know, so you're not pigeonholed. And this is the only way to think about leadership. And at one level, we're all leaders. God's given us influence in different areas, no matter how big or small. Now, my question for you, Chris, is how do you find the way God designed you for these things and cultivate those leadership qualities? I don't know if that's a good question. Because I don't know if it's something you, you, you know, it's not like a, you take a test and all of a sudden you discover what it is. Um, but how, how would you right. identify this in yourself or in somebody else? And then how does somebody cultivate these leadership qualities? Because again, or, ordinary people, we're just ordinary people, extraordinary God. And, and so yeah. what does that, what does that look like for God? You know, you want the fan and the flame, the gift that God has given to us and we want to develop and improve and grow in these areas. Just like David, he was prepared taking care of the sheep and he fought off the lions and the bears and all of yeah. these things. Uh, God prepared him to shepherd his people through through those things. So, so what does that look like today? Yeah, great question. And uh, in a minute, I'm going to turn it back to you all because I don't have all the answers here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, my my first thought is yeah, because there's there's things such as like spiritual gifts, right? And of course, you've, we've talked about them. And if you've been in the church world long enough, you know, you've heard about spiritual gifts, and there's spiritual gift tests you can take. But I think what I, we're talking about today is, is different than spiritual gifts, because you can be, uh, you can have, or you can be a servant leader, an empathetic leader, transformational leader, and have the same spiritual gifts. So I, I don't think they contradict one another. Um, but uh, all that to say is, yeah, I don't think there's like a, a leadership theory test out there that you can take. I mean, there are different tests in each of these. So there's like a servant leadership test, a transformational leadership test, but not one general test or like, you know, five love languages test. And then they tell you, oh, these are your top love languages, right? <laughs> so um, so because that hasn't been created yet, or uh, I think that um, uh, one is just through prayer. Uh, I would start there and asking God to reveal to you or reveal in others what you see in them and point that out to them or or ask God to point it out in you. Um, I think asking other people, hey, what do you see as my strengths when it comes to leadership? Um, I think it's getting informed that, oh, I didn't know that I could be a leader and I don't have to be the preacher, right? I don't have to be the person the sage on the stage, as they say, I can be a leader as a volunteer in second grade Sunday school. Yeah, definitely. Um, because we need people who are authentic leaders or servant leaders or courageous leaders who are in second grade Sunday school. Um, so I think of it, you know, so prayer, I think reflection, asking other people, um, you as if you're a ministry leader, don't be shy about um, challenging people or showing people that, hey, you're a leader, and I think you're a gifted leader in this area, and that's an area that's needed in our church. And you don't have to change much. You just have to lean into the person that God has created you to be. Okay, what do you guys think? I don't have much in that. 
I mean, I'm trying to think here. Maybe you'll say something that'll spark something in my mind. But what do you think, Mark? I mean, how do you recognize uh, one's leadership uh, strengths or one's leadership theories? Yeah. Yeah, I I think for me again, this is just I'm just spitballing here and going off of experience. Mm-hmm. Is I think the just God designed us all uniquely, right? Some of us just have this, mm-hmm. and and when we come to faith in Christ. Uh, you know, the spirit gives us gifts and different things and, and transforms us. And for me, I think is if you just start doing things and you're serving in different areas and and you just act by faith, the Lord just directs you into this stuff. Like you can't go out and start your day. Like I want to be a transformational leader and, and right. I'm going to do everything to be this transformational leader. I, I, I just don't think that works. I think that's just part of the, in, of how God has made us designed us and you know there's areas that we can grow in yeah and cultivate in uh but like i'm just going to go back to what i said already about david he he was formed in the sheepfolds by himself you know what i mean and where god gave him this responsibility and he was faithful in the little and god made him faithful over much and you can see that with paul when he first came to jesus and then how he had to go into uh away for a while and he was trained and you know he shares that in in the book of Galatians about his journey. You see this with the disciples. They have spent three years with Jesus and Peter, uh, you know, he was a transformational leader, but he, man, he really failed a lot of times. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, I think yeah. that's just part of some of the calling that God has given to us, quote unquote calling, but also, um, just when we're serving and, and, and we're faithful in the little, God will make us faithful or much and he'll reveal how he designed us to operate and in, in the role that he has for us. That That's my thoughts on it. I don't know, John, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. It, you know, definitely a, a large part of it is getting out and serving and seeing like where you naturally fit in, uh, in, in an mm-hmm. environment like that. Um, you know, and if you were going to call, you know, call out someone's, you know, leadership abilities, you got to know them really well. You've got to, you, you would have had to have served with them for a long time to be able to see like, you know, Hey, you are the servant leader. You are the one, um, you know, who likes to do the behind the scenes stuff. You are always, you know, um, dependable. Like, I know that you're always there. You've always got my back when it comes to all of these things. Again, I'm speaking from, you know, personal experience here. Um, you know, you are the, yeah. the courageous leader. You're the one who's going to stand on the front lines and say, you know, no, I, I stand firm in the convictions I have, you know, from the Bible and nothing's going to sway that. Um, and we'll encourage other people to do so as well. Yeah. And I think part of it, and I'm just going to go off here just at what you said, made me think a little bit. John. There we go. I'm not the guest though. That's okay. Um, but like, I think, and Chris, you can correct me if, if maybe I'm wrong. Like these courageously, we need courageous leaders, but sometimes in my opinion, I think courageous leaders can be a little prickly Sometimes, and they need to develop right. Some of that, you know, uh, like, uh, that boldness, like Piper's bold, but he's not, like, he's not a prickly personality. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that's from years of cultivating how God has designed him and created him and, and fanning in the flame, the gift of God and all of these things, the quotes from Timothy. And so, um, you know, if we're an empathetic leader, it doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't yeah, mean you just, it's not your pushover. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes and maybe, you know, as we talked about this, empathetic leaders can be pushovers or overlook things where it's like, well, that's not, that's not, that's not a good aspect, right. you know? And, um, and, 
you know, so like a servant leader could be a person who could be easily walked over uh, in in their immaturity. And so I think I think there's part of these areas of where God has designed us and growing and cultivating and following Him, and and He's gonna shake He's gonna shake those things out. So I don't know, Chris, what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I think yeah, I agree. And and if people are listening and they're trying to think, okay, well, what what kind of leader am I? Uh, what kind of leader did God create me to be? I think that, you know, as they've been listening over the last two podcasts, which of these leadership theories just really resonated with you, you know, or or which in the characters of the Bible that we talked about even today, just the examples or even the modern day examples, which ones really just kind of stood out, you know, or it's like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. But then, you know, you said something or I said something and the listener goes, oh, yeah, that, that's really fascinating. You know, so I, 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 perhaps that's the Holy Spirit just kind of tapping you and be like, hey, that's the one that I think that I've created you to be because you can connect with it, right? And there's just something about those words or that example or those qualities that, yeah, that's that's what really um, inspires me or, or connects with me. And so that, that could be another way to figure out which leadership theory am I? And then I would say, hey, lean into that or even pick up a leadership book about it or research it a little bit more to figure out more about that particular theory and, and what are those, you know, what's it, what's it all about? Mm, good. Chris, do you, do you think that like you can only be one type or could you be like a mixture of multiple types? Um, yeah, great question. Uh, probably a mixture of multiple types. I mean, you know, similar to maybe like the, the love language test, right. you know, and I just say that because five in there and there's five here. Um, and it's probably on a spectrum or on a scale, each one of them. Um, but I think it's actually, um, the, probably on a, on a smaller spectrum than the, um, love languages, you know, the love languages kind of, you're, you're all of them. We're here. Yeah. You're probably not all of them. Um, you're probably just maybe one or two, uh, specifically. And, um, you know, I think, of course, I think Jesus was practically all of them. Um, but other than that, um, God created each of us with our own, you know, he wired us differently, which makes it beautiful, right? Just like, that illustration that I gave of just like the worship team the, the or the musical worship team. And that is, is yeah, if everybody's the lead guitarist um, and nobody's the AV person, right. Uh, nobody's <laughs> going to know the words to right. sing or they're not going to sound good. Uh, so you do need to um, think about it differently in that, Hey, what's the one that I gravitate towards mostly. Mm, I love it. All right. Let's do one last question here. And yeah, I know we're going a little long here for your time. So I really appreciate you being here. Uh, as leaders though, how do we overcome our fears and follow God bravely? Yeah. And that's the challenge, right? And that's, that's really why I wanted to research this and want to help people. And thanks so much for having me on the podcast is because I know, and, and I've been there myself is um, you have these people in the church who, you know, they, either they know they want, they need to lead they feel the nudge, but they just don't know how. They just don't. They feel insecure about them. They feel like, well, I didn't go to Bible college or seminary, so how am I supposed to step into that role as a teacher, as a small group leader, as a volunteer in, you know, Sunday school and things like that? And the answer is, you just do it one step at a time, hmm. one baby step at a time. In fact, um, I love this example. It's actually it's uh, from a, a book that I was reading. 
and it talked about um, Lionel Messi. So Messi, he's one of the world's greatest soccer players of all time. Uh, at the time of this recording, he's playing down in Miami, and um, you know, he's just he's won a World Cup and just MVPs. But little did people know is that he actually suffers from performance anxiety, and so. Um, I mean, don't look this up, but like there are videos of him like just puking on the sidelines before the game, right? Just because of he's just so nervous about playing in front of, you know, thousands of people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And he's the greatest of all time, you know, or arguably one of the greatest soccer players of all time. And, um, and so, you know, he, he tried a lot of different things. And he went to finally, like, I think it was a sports psychologist. And essentially they said, hey, um, you suffer from performance anxiety. And what I want you to do is uh, as soon as the whistle blows, instead of, you know, running around trying to chase the ball, just walk. Walk around the pitch. Take the first few minutes and just walk around the field just just to calm your nerves. And actually what it showed him and why I think he's one of the best soccer players of all time is because while he was doing that, he was able to observe the weaknesses and the holes in his opponent's formations and the players. He could realize, oh, that player, he's not running as fast as he usually does. I wonder if he's got some type of an injury. Or the formation here, ah, oh, there's a weakness, there's a gap you know, over on the left, left side I can maybe exploit. And so by starting and just taking things one step at a time, he was able to use what was happening there to be one of the greatest of all times. So what does that mean for us today as organizations, as churches, as ministry leaders, uh, with volunteers who are hesitant, is just have them or ask them, hey, just take it one step at a time. Uh, Volunteer for two weeks, right, three weeks or something like that. Volunteer as a greeter, right? Um, be on a rotation. All you have to do is once a month or something like that. And just as they go slowly, as they take it one step at a time, at a time, they'll hopefully start to, their anxieties will be eased, right? And they'll be able to lean in to the, become the leader that God has called them, has created them to be. And hopefully then they're following the true king, the good shepherd in everything that they do and in every spot that they can be in. Oh, I love it. That's a great illustration. Love it. One step at a time. Be faithful in a little. God will make you faithful over much. Chris, I want to thank you for your time and insight here uh, and your friendship. I love you, brother. Hope to see you soon. Uh, I want to just, uh, anything, last thoughts you want to leave with us, your final goodbye here? Um, No, I think um, just recognizing that, hey, everybody's a leader, but the key to being a leader is actually being ordinary. In other words, being somebody, being the person that God made you to be, but leaning in and helping him guide you in the leadership uh, that, that have, that are out there that you can be. And in the hands of an extraordinary God, anything's possible. And if anybody wants to learn more about um, leadership and go on and get a doctorate in leadership, <laughs> tell them to contact me or look up Anderson university, South Carolina and their PhD in leadership program. Awesome. Love it. All right, let's sign off here. Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at barnabasministriesmi.org, barnabasministriesmi.org. If you have any questions or ideas for a future podcast episode, you could send them to me at mark.pospisil at thelakes.cc. That's mark, M-A-R-K, dot 
Pospisil, P-O-S-P-I-S-I-L at thelakes.cc. We'd love to hear anything from our listeners. Stream roots drawing deep from the living water of God's Word.